Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We're going to our football insiders again today, our texters to get questions. I asked for fill in the blank questions, and so we've got a number of them here. The surprise here is I'm kind of reading these at the same time that I'm reading them to Mary Kay and Ashley. I'm getting like a little bit of a preview because I have to look through them, but I, I didn't collect them before we went. So we're all sort of winging it here. Bill Barron from Indianapolis, though. There were a couple of variations of this question. Uh, we're going to ask Bill's version. The Browns will win blank number of games if Deshaun Watson is statistically a top 10 quarterback. There's a second part to this, too. But we're going to do the first part first. The Browns will win blank number of games if Deshaun Watson is statistically a top 10 quarterback. Mary Kay, what do you think? You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is 10. If he's a top 10 quarterback, I think they can win 10 games and go 10 and 7. And if they do that, they can challenge for the playoffs. And I actually think that is where the bar is set. That should happen. They should be able to do that. If they can't do that, then something has gone gravely wrong. So 10 comes to mind. I'm sticking with that. Yeah, Ashley, if you're getting top 10 quarterback play, you should make the playoffs. There's no like... I mean, this, I think the playoffs should be the expectations anyway. I, I agree there. But like, you know, if you're getting top 10 quarterback play, you definitely, something is wrong if, if you're not making yeah. the playoffs. So what's your answer to this one? What's your fill in the blank? My first response was also 10. <laughs> it was also 10. As you can see, I have it written down in my little notes. Um, I don't know why. It's like double digit wins just came to mind. And with that probably comes, you know, at least a wild card appearance. You know, you would expect it. To go that way. I think if you're getting quarterback play that is that good, considering all the other areas on this team, especially that the Browns have addressed, I then would expect like automatically playoffs. If he's playing at that high of a level, that means I'm guessing then that things all around him are just sort of clicking. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to say if they're getting top 10 quarterback play from Deshaun Watson, I think they should win in the... I mean, not super. I'm not going like 13 games, but I I think they should win in the 11 to 12 range. Like you, if you're getting that type of play from him, you should be able to go win your division. Um, I think with all the investments you've made on the defensive side of the ball, if the offense is complementing the defense like that, and, you know, if he's playing top 10, you're scoring points, you're moving the football. I don't think it's unrealistic to expect them to win 11 to 12 games in that case. Um, And if they don't, I think it will be maybe because some of these investments in the defense didn't work out. Is that too high, Mary Kay? Well, you know what, Dan, while you're talking, I was just going to look up where Deshaun Watson finished in 2020 uh, when he was, you know, the, when he led the NFL with 4,000, 800 yards. Now he was second in the NFL in rating, uh, only to Aaron Rodgers with a 112.4 rating. He had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions that year only. And when you look at the Houston Texans record, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I'm going to look it up. I think it was four victories or something like that. Um, so I don't know that, um, you know, that whether or not you're, uh, yeah, it was four and 12. I don't know whether or not being a top 10 quarterback is necessarily going to equate to wins. Now, I do think in this case, in the case of, of Deshaun and the Cleveland Browns, uh, that it will 
translate to, um, you know, to a larger number of victories because they have so many other good things going on around them. They're going to have a much better defense, I think, than they had last year. Uh, they've got a good receiving core and so many other things that are good, but so many things that were better than what the Texans had in 2020. But the point is, top 10 quarterback doesn't necessarily equate to victories. Yeah, that's that's true. It's, it's just I... I think this Browns team is better equipped than that Texans team was though mm-hmm. to win with a like that Texans team was I mean without ha- pulling up the roster that that had to be the worst Texans team that he played with while he was there. There was some he had some talented teams while he was there. That was not one of them. And I just think this is a more talented football team. So I I would have to imagine I mean we're all sort of I mean if 10 is the the floor and like 11 or 12 is, is the ceiling. There's not a ton of variance there, but I, I think the expectations should be really high if he is, you know, that good of a quarterback. Yeah, I think, I think so too. The expectations should be higher uh, if he's going to be playing well, because he's kind of the X factor. Uh, he's the part that should knit it all together. Um, although it's going to be a revamped defense and the defense did not always play well last year, as we know. Uh, so the defense is going to play a very, very large role in all of this. But if the defense lives up to expectations, and again, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the 49ers defense right away or the Eagles defense that Jim Schwartz uh, went to the Super Bowl with. Um, but, it, you know, they're going to be better than they were last year. And I do think that that will translate to some more victories than than what the Browns had last year. Okay, so here's the second part of of the question from Bill, um, and it's basically just the opposite. And it, if he's not, they will win blank number of games. So if he is not a top ten quarterback, they'll win blank number of games. And I'll go first on this one. I think that's when you're looking at another probably seven and ten season. I don't think this roster is like four and 13, like even if the quarterback isn't a top 10 quarter, I mean, I, I don't think that they're that bad. I think the roster is really good. And I don't think Deshaun is, even if he's not top 10, he'll be top half. He would be top half of the league. I couldn't see him being worse than that. Um, so I would say I'd put that floor at about seven. So I would say if he's not a top 10 quarterback, we're looking at maybe seven or eight. What number would you throw out, Ashley? I was thinking eight. For sure. I mean, I just kind of reverted back to 2021 when things were really disappointing because, again, they have so many key pieces in other areas. Like maybe your defense is going to win you a handful of games, even if Deshaun isn't isn't playing up to par or the run game. You know, it's like they have all these other really good pieces that I think they can survive. But like, that's the thing, right? And like we talked about it with this team, it's not like they are bad enough to just like totally tank a season even if Deshaun Watson is not going to live up to expectations like the other parts are too good that you're just going to kind of be hanging around in the middle of things or the upper bottom of the league and it's like I don't know if that's like a worse place to be than the very bottom like given things like the draft and and all that stuff Um, but yeah I think you're kind of just stuck in no man's land honestly. Yeah, so Mary Kay, if Deshaun Watson is not a top 10 
not a top 10 quarterback, the Browns will win blank games. I agree with you guys. I think somewhere in the uh, seven to eight range is about right. It's not a bad football team. They're not going to you know, be down there in the threes and fours like the Browns of old that we know. This is a really good roster. I mean, you're still talking about one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Darius Smith, Amari Cooper. I mean, it's a good roster. It's a really, really good roster. Now, if Deshaun isn't who he who he was in 2020, or if he gets hurt and he can't play, and you're looking at Joshua Dobbs for any length of time, uh, you know, then I think that you know that adds a whole new spin to the to the thing. So you know, we just don't know how many games Joshua Dobbs would win. But if it's just if it's Deshaun and he's just not playing up to par, I still think you're going to get seven or eight out of him at least. Okay, our next question comes from Clara in Shellsburg, Iowa, and this kind of this looks at the other side of the football. Uh, the Browns will be in the chase for the division slash playoffs if the defense can blank. Mary Kay, what do you think? You know, I think more so than anything, they need to get takeaways. They need those takeaways. That makes the difference between winning and losing. Get that ball back for your quarterback. Uh, let those guys up front be disruptive, wreak that havoc, and those guys back in the in the back end, get their hands on some of those footballs, force some of those fumbles. I think that will make the difference. Uh, that's what a dominant defense does, and most of the teams that make the playoffs are way high up there in the turnover differential. So that's where I'm going with that. I had a suspicion that would be your answer. But I also think it's the right answer because, yeah, I mean, anymore, like it's such a cliche, right? Like the team that wins the turnover battle wins the game. But there's a reason people say that. And it's because it's true. Like there's nothing more devastating to an offense than turning the football over and, you know, the other team scoring points off of that. That's how you change a game. And it's just something that this defense has been lacking, Ashley. So um, I I was going to take that one if Mary Kay didn't. I I just think that's the really... I just think that's the answer. You've got to force turnovers in today's NFL against these high-powered offenses. Yeah, I mean, to quote Mean Girls, and I know Mary Kay loves this quote, it's like we have ESPN or something, because that was also my first thought. I had a feeling it was where Mary Kay was going to go. I did think of, of a backup answer that we can talk about after this, but like, I think it also just kind of shows the way this team has struggled the last two years with its defense. Those struggles have really been, I think, exacerbated by the fact that they weren't forcing a ton of takeaways, you know? It's like, again, I bring this up a lot. Like, Greg Newsom doesn't have a takeaway yet. That's crazy to me, like, that he does not have an interception, um, given some of the all the action that he's seen over his first two years in the NFL. It's just something they've really struggled with. And, you know, it's not like, I think the frustrating thing for them, especially last year, there was such an emphasis on creating those takeaways. They had that alpha dog competition in training camp where takeaways were a big part of it. They had the bone collector thing during the season. They were giving out dog bones on the sideline. Like there were incentives and focus on it and it still just like wasn't happening. So now with Jim Schwartz and them putting, focusing on putting so much pressure on quarterbacks and everything starting up front, like I think, you know, there's a good chance that we'll see that ramped up because takeaways could kind of come with that then. Yeah. And, and Mary Kay, it just, it's the complimentary football thing, right? It's if you, if this offense can be what we think it can be, if you force takeaways, that's when a 
you know, 21-17 game suddenly becomes a 33-13 to 13 game, right? Like a, a game that maybe should have been closer turns into a blowout because you're making things easier for your offense. And that's just something the Browns haven't been able to do uh, defensively the last few years. Yeah, and I mean, when you look statistically at wins and losses when you win the turnover battle, it's usually something like 80% of the time you win the game if you win the turnover battle. So you can do everything else right. And if you are turning the ball over and not taking it away and you're down in the uh, the negatives of the turnover differential, uh, you're just not going to be winning football games. Now, the good thing about Deshaun Watson is that he does not throw a lot of interceptions. As I mentioned, in that 2020 season, when he finished with that 112.4 rating, he had 33 touchdowns against only seven interceptions. He threw a lot of passes. He threw for a lot of yards, and he did not throw it to the other team very often. Uh, he's got really, really good vision high football acumen, and now he's got the horses out there to be able to uh, catch that ball for him. So he shouldn't be throwing a lot of interceptions this year. He should have his mojo back. He should have a lot of the, a lot of the, the trauma, the turmoil, the upheaval of, of last year for him uh, should be a little bit less than what it was last year. Uh, I think it will be. And, um, you know, because once again, he has served his 11 game suspension. He knows how long, you know, he's going to be playing that he knows he's going to be there for all 17 games this year. So a lot of that isn't going to be weighing on him the way that it did last year, at least at this point, we don't think it will. Um, so I, I do think that he's going to throw a whole lot of touchdown passes, not many interceptions. And I think you'll see guys like, you know, Juan Thornhill, he comes in being able to uh, get his hands on some footballs. I think that uh, some other guys will. Grant Delpit, too. I think that that he's got that in him. And again, some of the defensive backs should be able to do that a little bit. Um, Denzel Ward has been able to come up with three and four at times. Uh, so maybe he'll get some more with all that pressure going on up front. Uh, forced fumbles. They've got to get them. They've got to get those. Uh, they can come as, you know, sack fumbles or they can come, you know, with your you know running backs or your pass catchers or whatever the case may be. But they definitely need to get more of those as well. And I think they will. So, Ashley, what was your other answer? My other answer I was just thinking of was like the defense. And it's so cliche, I guess, as I'm going to try to word it. But I think there's some truth to it. This defense staying together as they install a new defense and Again, Paul Inka, the puppy, agrees with me as he tried to get in the room. Um, because last year, and I mean, even to some extent the year before that, there was just so much disgruntledness, like individuals being disgruntled. Of course, last year it was Jadavian Clowney for most of the season. We can all remember back to that first Ravens game in October when there was screaming among the defensive players in the locker room. Um, Greg Newsom was publicly unhappy with his role. You know, I think JJ3 at times last year, who's no longer with the Browns, obviously he was unhappy at times. Like you just felt that unhappiness and it just felt to me, especially last year, that things were really coming apart at the seams. I think the year before that, it was more like, Hey, we finally got in a rhythm and this offense isn't doing anything. And that was creating some of the angst, but I just think the unit as a whole needs to be as angst free as possible. And Mary Kay, that kind of goes to, you know, some of this leadership you brought in a young leader like Juan Thornhill 
who's won at a high level already. And also a, a veteran like Rodney McLeod, who's played for Jim Schwartz. And, and you've made those comparisons to what Bill Belichick did in the 90s with the Rodney McLeod signing. I mean, that's where some of that comes in. Yeah, I think when you go from top to bottom this year, uh, I think that they have made a concerted effort uh, to just to change that culture on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that Jim Schwartz is going to put up with some of the things that have been tolerated over the last few years. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I, I really don't. He, he doesn't mess around. I mean, he came, he went to the Bill Belichick and Nick Saban School of Football, okay? These guys, I mean, we even heard him coaching some things yesterday that, you know, we're not really allowed to say some of the things that, that we hear. But, you know, you can see that, you know, he, he's not going to put up with any BS out there. He's just not. And then you've got guys like Zadarius Smith coming in uh, to the team that are going to be very, very vocal leaders. Uh, he's 30 years old now. He's going into his ninth season. He's seen a lot, done a lot. Uh, he already is assuming that leadership role. Again, we've mentioned Juan Thornhill. Some of the, the previous guys are going to step up a little bit more into those roles themselves. Uh, so I, I just don't think that that you're going to have, uh, you know, people popping off about anything or, uh, you know, guys talking, you know, in between meetings or in the weight room about things that, that they're unhappy about. I, I think that, you know, even Juan Thornhill, the way he talked yesterday about the positivity, I think he will carry that inside the walls of the facility. All right. Chris in Chicago has our next one. The one player that isn't getting talked about much now that will have the biggest impact on this season is blank. So we're testing our roster knowledge here. We are. Um, so this one is of you... similar to the question that I think I asked when we came up with our questions about, but it was defense focused. Like which guy do we maybe think will fit in Jim Schwartz's scheme? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is interesting because it also depends on like what do we define as not talking about? Like Well, okay, yeah, that's so that's a good way to right. So I think yeah. like we 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 talk a lot about so like the top of the roster guys, right? So like Amari yeah. Cooper, Miles Garrett, some of the bigger names I think would be disqualified here. I think like Elijah Moore, Cedarius mm-hmm. Smith when we start to get, you know, not away from the very top, top of the roster, we start getting into those, those second guys. Um, I think they're probably a little too talked about right now. So I, I, you know, maybe there's a draft pick, maybe there's some receiver we haven't talked about enough or a D lineman or a line. I mean, I think all the linebackers could maybe qualify here. Yeah. Um, that's what my first thought was like, and I don't know if this guy, this guy might be pushing it. But, like, I just keep thinking about JOK, like, and I don't know, he might be too obvious of an answer, but, like, he just struggled last year with the injuries and things like that. But, I mean, if he can stay healthy, I think, like, in this system, he, you know, could really make, I think, a bigger jump than even we're expecting. And I know I think we've talked about that, like, we expect him to make some kind of jump if he's healthy, which is why I don't know if he counts. But, like, I just think it could be a bigger jump than we're expecting. Go ahead. I can pick somebody else if that doesn't count. I was just trying to think of some. I was just trying to think of someone else. I, JOK is a good one. Uh, JOK is a good one because we have forgotten about him a little bit. You know, once he got injured with the mid foot sprain, uh, you know, you kind of move on to the next batch of people and 
what they're doing. So we haven't really um, talked about him as much as I think we will be talking about him this season for sure. So I think he is a good one. I'm trying to think of someone else. Dan, did you have someone else right off the top of your head or, or not yet? I am. I'm actually scrolling through the roster as we speak. Um, this, this guy's kind of in the same camp as JOK, like a name that we talk about, but maybe we haven't talked about a lot. Martin Emerson. Mm-hmm. Would he yeah, that's a good one. qualify yeah, in here? I, I actually yeah. wrote an egg about this the other day, a newsletter egg for our Football Insider subscribers, um, because PFF did their list of potential breakout players. And I'm like, you know, I think Browns fans know how good Martin Emerson Jr. was last year, but I do think he could still be like a breakout guy if he makes that typical sophomore jump because he has the size and he's a very physical player, which I think like maybe sometimes gets lost with him because he's so like quiet and nice when you talk to him. But he's very physical. I mean, he was a part of one of the first training camp little mini skirmishes last year when he kind of went after Donovan Peoples-Jones a little bit in some 11 on 11. So I like that answer. You know, there there is one and I've used him before for a, a similar answer like this, but I I think it bears repeating because I still think he falls into this category. And I think it's Grant Delpit. I think we kind of forget about Grant a little bit. Uh, you know, they've got a couple of new safeties coming in here. And Grant isn't somebody that, you know, that we necessarily are looking at to have a breakout season. But I think he can have one. I do. I think that he's another year out from his ruptured Achilles. I think he's in that year, in that season of his career, fourth, fourth year, third, if you take out the ruptured Achilles year. Uh, where he is, um, you know, the game will slow down for him now. The game is going to slow down for him. And I think that Jim Schwartz is also going to simplify the defense, not just up front, but in the back end as well. I think there were some things going on last year that were confusing for some of the younger guys. So I think the assignment, I think they're going to understand the assignment this year. And I think Grant has a chance to break out. It's interesting we all pick defensive players. And, and like young defensive players uh, that we kind of think maybe fit in Jim Schwartz's scheme particularly well. I, I think that's that's sort of interesting that that's where we all kind of land. And maybe part of that is because we talk so much about right the Deshaun Watson offense side of things. So we so we talk so much about those guys. But um, yeah, it's, I, I think it's telling that we all picked three young defensive players who we think can really fit in this new system. Okay, let's take a break and we're going to I think this is going to end up being like I think we might have to stretch this into our Friday podcast a little bit. We got a lot of questions. So let's take a break and get to a few more here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Sam Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, fill in the blank questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, so we were sort of talking about this a little before we uh, we hopped on the pod. This comes from Andre in Vancouver. On opening day, the Browns' starting defensive tackles will be Dalvin Tomlinson and blank. And we were talking about this because Ashley... You are about to put up some practice observations from Wednesday. I am. And apparently Maurice Hurst is involved in those observations. He is. And, you know, I'm not quite ready to say I think Maurice Hurst is going to be the starter. But, like, I do think, and Dan, I think you wrote something to this effect, too. He's always a guy I brought up. I brought up last week, I think, on the podcast. He's a good interior rusher when he is healthy. That is the big caveat. He had a really good rookie year in 2018, and it's been kind of a 
a nosedive a little bit ever since. And he's been hurt in each of the last two years. But we did see him getting like, he looked good in the individual reps. And then he was getting team reps with the first unit. Now, granted, there's a lot of guys who aren't there. And you have two newer guys too in Siaki Ika and Dalvin Tomlinson who are like trying to get acclimated. But I think like he's more than just a camp body to me, especially given his rushing ability. Um, I know he's got a great attitude again, which I've brought up before. So I'm really interested to kind of see what that battle looks like opposite of, of Dalvin right now. I think they're trying to ease Dalvin in, but like, you know, I think they still like Jordan Elliott. We've seen that. We saw him get a lot of team reps yesterday with that first unit. Um, so it is going to be interesting. Like, I think, again, we talked about the defensive tackle last year is like kind of a battle to watch. But for me, like seeing Maurice Hurst and some of those other guys and where they were playing yesterday just kind of like reinforced that to me that it's going to be like maybe an interesting camp battle there. Yeah, Mary Kay, last year it was very much like we knew who the four were going to be almost like right away. We, we just kind of knew it was going to be uh, Elliot, Taven Bryan, um, Perion Winfrey, and Tommy Togiai, right? And now you watch this year and it's like, I, I'm not even sure if like Tommy Togiai and Perion Winfrey are going to make the team at, at this point because you brought in Maurice Hurst, you brought in Tristan Hill. Of course, you paid big money for Dalvin Tomlinson. Like Ashley said, it seems like they still like Jordan Elliott. Um, Siaki Ika, of course, you just drafted him. There's a lot of bodies at that position right now. There really are. And it's really wide open there. It really is at this point. Um, but for some reason, just the way that Jim Schwartz talked to and about Siaki Ika on draft weekend leads me to believe they see something in him, some traits in him in terms of his size coupled with his movement skills and abilities and the ability to rush um, that perhaps uh, that he's going to get a significant amount of playing time there and that he could end up being uh, the guy. If he comes up the learning curve quickly enough, he could end up being the guy that that starts inside. It's it's a tough jump to make as a rookie, especially when you're going against guys that have been in there and played a lot of football. Um, but I do think that he will be a good candidate. And then also, um, you know, I, I've said this from the moment Sidarius Smith was signed, they signed him for his ability to be an inside rusher and rush from the interior. Um, that was one of the big selling points for the Browns when they traded for him. Um, so there is also a chance that, you know, they could go with, with him and Dalvin there in the middle and with, uh, Miles and, and Z or Oboe or Miles and Oboe on the outside, Z and Dalvin on the inside. So that's another option. Yeah. Ashley, is that the point you wanted to make about Zedarius? No, I was actually thinking like my first, because I realized I didn't ask, actually answer the question as I gave my nice <laughs> little breakdown. But my first initial thought was kind of like what Mary Kay was getting at there. Like, I think they really like Siaki, but it's so hard, I think, for a rookie to start right away. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Dalvin Tomlinson and Jordan Elliott out there as like the first starters and then maybe Siaki kind of takes that role over a handful of games in or something. But, you know, I also like, we know Zadarius Smith likes to rush from the inside as he said yesterday. So that's certainly a possibility because I think when it comes down to it, Jim Schwartz wants these guys to get upfield. So if those guys can all stay healthy and that's your best chance to do that, why not? Yeah. And you know, there's always one rookie, like for as much as we, 
like try to temper the expectations even last year when they didn't have a, when they didn't make their first pick until the third round, much like this year. Um, there's always one of these rookies, if not a couple, who kind of get in there pretty quickly. You know, Greg Newsom and JOK started right away. Jed Will started right away, which, you know, we kind of knew with those guys that could happen. But, um, you know, last year, Martin Emerson, guy we just talked about, he was playing very quickly and very early. So, there's there's you know david bell was was getting on the field once once he was healthy so there's opportunities for these guys even though they aren't you know early picks and i do think if i had to pick kind of of all the draft picks they made of the guys we might see the earliest it would be the guys they picked on day two it would be Ika and it would be cedric tillman um as the two guys we might see the soonest in this rookie class make significant contributions so i mean it wouldn't shock me mary Kay, if we saw siaki Ika out there week one yeah, no, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me either. And I think the thing to remember, there's a couple things to remember about this defensive line. There will be times when there are five defensive linemen out there and in probably a significant amount of times that there will be five. And then um also the fact that they will do a lot of rotating. They're going to rotate a lot of guys in. Uh I mean, they'll they'll get their snaps and Miles will have his opportunities to get his sacks, plenty of them. All of them will. Uh, but they're going to keep them fresh and they're going to make sure that they are ready to go um, come fourth quarter and come game 17 or week 17. Okay, let's get to a few more of these. We got some fun ones, too. Again, I think we're going to be going through these tomorrow uh, on the podcast as well. But okay, we have to address the elephant in the room here. Bill from Potomac, Maryland. How do all of you pick your wardrobes for the videos? He says, Mary Kay is always glamorous and Dan is well dressed like Dan. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. So that, that's have... Ashley Erasure. That is Ashley Erasure. I know. I'm upset. I was, I'm Ashley actually, Erasure. I yeah. He didn't even mention <laughs> Ashley. I know. I guess I'm an afterthought. However, as these two know, I, I've told this story to them already when I went to the bank. You know, we always laugh that the videos seem to be what people know us from. Um, and my bank teller recognized me from them. And he said, yeah, I watch you and Mary Kay and that other guy. <laughs> so we all get erased. Up. Mary Kay is the star of the show. Dan and oh, I, oh, yeah. it depends yeah. on the person. It depends on the person if they're going to know us or not. We're just the two other, two other people in the videos. So, so how do you do it? Come on, tell us how you do it. Well, I wake up in the morning <laughs> and I grab a t-shirt and I put on said t-shirt or hoodie. There you go. It's very, uh, you know, there you go. it's not a very complicated process. Although sometimes I do put some thought into, I'm not going to lie. So like next Wednesday, we're going to be out at OTAs again and we're going to shoot a video. And I am going to think to myself, which t-shirt did I wear last week? Because I don't want to wear the same one yeah. every single video. So I, yeah, I I like to keep them spaced out. So sure. there's a little bit of planning that goes into it, but not a ton. Well, Ashley and I, for whatever reason, accidentally dress alike all the time. A lot. A lot. A lot. So, and I find that it's a phenomenon amongst the media members as well. I'll look around and all the guys will have a blue shirt on one day. So it's like, yeah. okay, it's blue shirt Wednesday. This happens a lot. And it, or it'll be green shirt Thursday. So um, Ashley and I sometimes actually have to text each other and make sure that we're not wearing the exact same thing because we do have to appear 
on video together and on these pods together. Uh, so we try not to do that. But I will say that we, you know, we still end up kind of looking coordinated most of the time, yeah. which is good. Um, we both love black. I love, I mean, I wear a black shirt almost every day. I was thinking the other day. We're both day, wearing one now. I know. I was thinking... <laughs> I was thinking the other day that I just need, I need to get everything organized. First of all, I'm not, Ashley's organized. I'm not. Um, but I need just like black racks. I was thinking I just need black racks yeah. for all of my black clothing, just all lined up all together on a couple of racks. And there they are in all of their glory. I need to do it. Maybe I'll get to it. But all of a sudden I woke up and it was May. So yeah. all those plans that you have uh, for all the things that you're going to do in the off season, you have to do house maintenance. If you have a house, right, Dan, you got to do house maintenance. A Ashley has an apartment, so she doesn't have to worry about the garden and she doesn't nope. have to worry about all those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, you, you have a very short window of time to do all of these things in the off season, you've got to go to the dentist. I mean, yes. you got to do body maintenance. You got to do house maintenance. And all of a sudden it's May. And before I know it, I'm before we all know it, we're going to be on our way to the Greenbrier for training camp. And we will not have, you know, gotten that dentist appointment in, or we will not have gotten the, uh, that door restained. Daryl, can you hear me, Daryl? Um, <laughs> Daryl Ryder might be doing this for me, but, um, but anyways, so here we are. It's mid, it's not even mid May. It's late it's, May. It's Memorial Day it's weekend. Late, it's, it's Memorial, Day, Memorial weekend. Day weekend. It's like the start of summer. We're into OTAs. Mini camp is coming up. And I don't know, have you guys done any of your off-season stuff? No. I was just thinking today how I have to make all those appointments. Like, I have to go to the eye doctor. I have to get my contacts refilled. I have to do every, like, doctor's visit, I swear, in July or it's not going to get done. In early July now. I have one less week to do them all. Yeah. No, no. Nothing nothing ever gets done. Ever. No. Just in Dan, general. did you get that basement painted? Uh, the basement looks, basement's in good shape right now oh, good for you basements basements doing all right what project do you have coming up dan you, you i don't always have know. something i'll come up with something i'm, I'm sure <laughs> i don't know but you can always tell when it's been like like i actually tweeted this out everybody in my neighborhood started mowing their lawns like around the same time and it happened to be draft weekend and i just <laughs> yeah. i wanted to just like let people know like you can't do it this weekend this is not the weekend to do like you've got to wait give me like we've got a week between rookie mini camp and the draft just give me that week but nobody in my neighborhood listens to me oh i know i mean here we are i don't have one flower outside yet I, it yeah it's it you know all of a sudden it just comes at you very fast it really does yeah um i was gonna say something but i can't remember what it is, is oh. it about clothes yes so like I... somebody somebody once tweeted at me you know the old saying is you know dress for the job you want and i just wanted to reply to them like have you ever seen a male sports writer i know you do dress like a male sports writer i'm like dan is fine dan is work appropriate i hate to tell you like Mary Kay and i the ladies we are dress work appropriate but the men have their own like Cargo short, t-shirt, polo shirt, golf dry fit shirt, dress code that Dan does adhere to. I have phased out the cargo shorts. That was one you thing have. that I I shouldn't have put that out, on you. But, but which I'm actually, I, 
I know, and I think they're so stinking useful. They, they are, are. Especially, especially with our jobs, to be able to have a place to put tape recorder, phone, pen, you name it, you know, earbuds, cargo yeah. shorts are the but move. Like, so I will say this, too, from a woman's perspective, even though I was not asked how I pick my outfit, it's okay. I forgive the <laughs> texter. Um, I think Mary Jane and I have very similar styles in that we love basics. Like, we don't either do a ton of patterns. And, like, I, I've tried to build my wardrobe as much as possible around basics that can be mixed and matched and mm-hmm. reworn for as long as the clothes will last. And that's pretty much it. But like yesterday I did text her and I'm like, what are you wearing today? I didn't know. Like, I'm like, I could do jeans today or I could do, I always joke during training camp. I look like I'm ready to go to the country club and play a tennis match because I love like tennis dresses and sports because it's just like comfy and easy. Um, But I did text her and I was like, what are you wearing? And she's like a white shirt and jeans. So I'm like, okay, I'll wear a black shirt and jeans. (laughs) So we aren't identical walking around. So sometimes if we do think of it, we will ask so we aren't totally matchy-matchy. But we are considering asking a very nice local clothing store to sponsor us and to... um, you know, let us be influencers for them. Yeah. So we are going to do that. That will be, that will I be suggest, on the list. I suggest hey, local clothing stores, look at our, look at the views on these videos. I'll look also, at the views. I'll also throw out, I'll wear whatever t-shirt anybody's. <laughs> pretty, well, well I not any, not any. I wouldn't say any t-shirts. I do have, I do have <laughs> standards. They might be low, yeah. but I do have standards. Yeah. I, I will say like, I do not envy either of you during like training camp because those days it's like, you know, we're outside for like two, two and a half hours in like the middle of the day. And you've got to like, there's people everywhere. Like there's fans everywhere. And it's like, and then we have to go do interviews and then we have to like, like those are just long, hot days. Obviously we're not out there like digging ditches or building houses or whatever, but those those are long hot days and you guys have to like dress to like be on a video and like you know Mary Kay you're doing other TV stuff all the time and like it's 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 just it's crazy those are those are insane days and when it's like 95 degrees in the middle of August can I say I think Mary Kay will agree with me on this like on those days the most stressful part is not necessarily the clothes it is the hair and the makeup <laughs> And how the hair is going to hold up. And Mary Kay and I both have naturally curly hair. Mm-hmm. So that makes it harder to fight frizz in the humidity. <laughs> and Dan just gets, I mean, talking yeah. about hair, yeah. Dan, Dan gets way more compliments on his yeah. hair than Ashley yeah. and I ever do or yeah. ever will. Dan's I mean, the hair guy. I mean, My on. hair will be in a claw clip from like mid-June till beginning of September. And Dan is not going to have a care in the world. Dan can't even picture a claw clip right now when I say it. I can't. I have a I have a daughter. I have a twelve year old daughter. I know all the the hair. I know all the hair utilities and whatever. So there you go. Well, I know. Also, I also had sisters too, as we've talked about. I, yeah, so this I, is true. I was going to say. The, thank, I know all the accessories that Dan grew up with two sisters because he sits between Mary Kate and Ashley. Every single day at Brown's oh. practice and camp, and uh, and so yeah, 
he's lucky that that he gets the whole you know sister female daughter thing (laughs) well who knew that this question was going to go that far (laughs) and who who knows maybe it'll ultimately result in us finally getting that sponsorship from someone somewhere well, the Send place that stuff. we're thinking of, Dan, can actually clothe you as well. So oh. you're not off the hook here at all. How exciting. As long as the clothes are comfortable <laughs> and I'm not like standing there in a suit. Um, that's <laughs> we all shall I see. ask. All right. Well, look, like I said, we got a ton of questions. We didn't get to uh, nearly all of them. And uh, instead of going here for two hours, we're going to save these for our Friday podcast as well. Uh, some more fun ones in there too. So so we'll get to some of those tomorrow. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, go to clevelandicom slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that. You can become one of our texters and uh, submit your questions to us. And also get subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get subscribed on YouTube so you can see those outfits that we're wearing. Uh, just go search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. Uh, for that and yeah that'll do it Uh, Mary Kay Ashley I will talk to both of you later